0: My mom and dad sit over here and uh, I shared this story this morning and I got through it well and uh, hopefully I will again. Um, I tried to rehearse it enough to do just that but 48 years ago on I, I know where my parents were on a Sunday in March 48 years ago they were here and as a matter of fact 48 years ago on a Sunday, they've been married more than 48 years, if you're like, oh, they're 48. They've been, they blew past that a while, a couple decades ago. But, but uh, 48 years ago, on a Sunday in March, uh, my dad was got baptized in the pool behind me here as a man in his young 40s who was, uh, you know, it, it just, it, just in grips of celebration of the faith that he had in Christ. Um, and uh, I I remember it well. The, The day before his baptism was a Saturday, and we were in our house. I think I had just taken out the trash, and I remember coming up our back steps to the kitchen area and hearing a kid scream in the neighborhood, but it's a Saturday. Kids are playing. When I walked in, my mother said, that's Tommy, my brother Tom, And I remember thinking, it was a kid screaming in the neighborhood, you know, know, come on mom, you're paranoid, right? And it was just a moment after that, that the phone rang. My dad answered, was quickly very serious, got off the phone and said, it is Tommy. We gotta get him to the hospital. I don't know what you exchanged with mom. I don't remember the words that were shared. I just remember my dad headed out the door, I think, with my brother Leo, I'm not sure, but my dad headed a couple houses down. My brother Tom was in sixth grade at the time, and he was playing with a wonderful neighborhood friend who we still love and, and, and rejoice in our friendship today. But as they were playing, Tom accidentally fell near the, the, the bone that their, their, uh, their shepherd dog was chewing. And the dog came after Tom. It didn't just snap at Tom. The dog attacked my brother Tom. And uh, after it had kind of severed part of Tom's nose, it went after his ear and throat area. And uh, it was, it was a, a very, very serious uh, moment. Thankfully, by the grace of God, there was some young adults there that were able to, 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 re- take the, to end the attack on my brother Tom. <laughs> And you were talking about it. See, I I practiced several times, not to get emotional, but it was an emotional day. Anyhow, I remember the day because I remember specifically um, when Tom got home from the hospital. In the hospital, they had uh, kind of reattached Tom's nose, and the doctor just so happened to be a plastic surgeon there at Kennedy Cherry Hill. And he put 150-plus stitches in my brother's ear, and I remember Tom coming home and he looked a bit like a zombie, you know, just exa- absolutely exhausted, patch on his nose, his entire head was wrapped. And I remember we gathered as a, as a family in prayer, I remember gathering around the, the, the table there and I just remember us praying, whew, 48 years ago, I just remember us praying because the doctor's words were, it's a wait and see now, right? When the when the when the when the wrappings come off in a few days, uh, we, we will see whether Tom's ear is blue and the ear has not survived, or Tom's ear is pink, and it has survived. And I remember us praying as a family. I remember the impact on my father. Is this Satan trying to stop me from being baptized? Is this God doing, what's happening? And the next day he was baptized for his faith in Christ and a couple days later, the wrapping came off. The results were in, Tom's ear was pink and by the grace of God, right, it, it, it survived, right? I share that with you and normally don't kind of share a story like that in the beginning of a sermon, but because I want you to have a sense from the very beginning of our study in First Thessalonians that when the apostle Paul writes this letter, he has just come through an experience just like that. Not exactly in the details, but he has had intense anticipation waiting for the results, and the results have come in. And he writes First Thessalonians because of that. So let's pray and then we'll continue. Father in heaven, you are here with us on earth. Jesus, you are here in our midst. Holy Spirit, move among us. Stir us. Do what you want to do in our hearts, I pray. Overpower us. Take down our defenses. Humble us. Let us rejoice in you, I pray. In the name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen. Well, 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 1 says this, Paul and Silvanus, or Silas, and Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace. We are here today in Maple Shade, New Jersey, in the year 2023, because we believe that this letter is inspired by Almighty God for us. I, I, I'm not sure if it, where you are in your thoughts, but that's what I believe, and I know most of that's what we believe as a church: that God had the Holy Spirit inspire Paul's words. Paul, as we saw last week, was writing to a specific group and we'll see why. But God was using it to speak to the church throughout the ages. I just removed the truth of God and to make human life is meaningless it just there's no explanation for so many aspects of humanity faith is not a crutch to me it's not something i'm hanging on to because i got nothing else i am convinced beyond a shadow of a doubt that god his word the gospel of jesus puts all of life so much in clear perspective and so We're reading this for that reason. But I want to say this. The best way for us to gain from it is not to pretend that the letter was written to us. What I mean is, you could open up 1 Thessalonians. You could, at your house, open it up, read a verse, and absolutely the Holy Spirit can use that verse in your life. But the best way for us to get the the full impact and apply it is to try to do what? Let's understand the historical, cultural, real life context of the letter. And you may say, I don't like history. Well, we're gonna go through a little bit of it tonight because today, because we are following a historical savior. Jesus Christ walked this earth. He changed this world and so, we're going to look at a little bit of the history, right? So that we understand the real joy that Paul has. So let's take a walk in Paul's shoes as he before he writes the letter, as he arrives and meets the Thessalonians. To do that, we got to go back to Acts chapter 16. If you want to put your bulletin or something in 1 Thessalonians, we'll be back to it. But Acts chapter 16, the first thing I want us to see is Alexander's dream. Who's Alexander? Alexander the Great. Because... I really do believe that to understand what is filling Paul's mind, you have to remember Alexander the Great. Why? well when we read in acts chapter 16 we read in verse 6 and they pass through the phrygian and galatian region having been forbidden by the holy spirit to speak the word in asia if you remember what we said with paul the letter writer paul gets back from his first missionary journey he writes the letter to the galatians then he heads off on the second missionary journey he visits some of the churches in asia that he already reached and now he keeps going west And as he's going west, he comes to, uh, verse seven, to Mycenae. They were trying to go into Bithynia and the spirit of Jesus didn't permit them. And passing to Mycenae, they came to Troas. Where's Troas? So if we've come, you know, I'm I'm facing have. If we've come through Asia this way, right, and we we get to the end of Asia, in essence, there's the Aegean Sea, right? Uh, Below it is the Mediterranean Sea. The Aegean Sea, on the other side of it, is Greece. It's Europe, and that's where Paul has reached. He's reached that area, and he's given a vision in verse 9. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A certain man of Macedonia was standing and appealing to him and saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. Macedonia, Macedon, Greece, okay? You know in that area right come on over to us and paul does paul and silas and timothy they take the gospel over and they come and they land in that area where are they they're now in europe for the first time this is the land from which alexander the great has gone out from and built his extended his empire when well three and a half centuries earlier So, in other words, when the Apostle Paul enters the homeland of Alexander the Great, he's entering it approximately three and a half centuries after Alexander had conquered, you know, his world. Right? And there's a kind of just a fascinating fact that 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 allows us to kind of a point of reference. And that's this, that the amount of years between Alexander the Great launching out to build his empire and Paul walking in it are almost the exact amount of years since the first Europeans settled in this area and us walking in this area today. Uh, matter of fact I, this week I spent a little too much time what Lord was like, get back to the sermon part. I was literally f- counting years and working out years of Alexander the Great and Paul and uh but but, but there there's a that that sense what? Now we know Native Americans were here. I'm well aware that Native Americans were here before the Europeans settled. But when you think about that, the amount of time from when the Europeans settled, what would become what? Basically the empire of the United States of America, right? What we are today and our walking in it. What's the reference point to that? Well, when we think about it, there's things that connect, right? So for example, Names of towns or roads. So, Rudderow Avenue. Rudderow Avenue in Maple Shade is a road, and where does it come from? Well, if you look at one of the earliest titles to land in this area, it was titled to John Rudderow in 1684. I think there's a Ruddero Avenue in Pensalkin. In several of the towns in this area, there are Ruddero Avenues. Why? Because of that, that connection from us walking on Rudero Avenue today to when John Ruddero first settled in our area. Take Stiles Avenue, right? Stiles Avenue that we have in our town. It, 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 what, it, why is it named that? Because one of the earliest titles that we have to land in this area was to Robert Stiles in 1695. So if you take the time between when those guys you know, and families you know, settled here and us today, you're almost at the exact amount of years from when Alexander the Great launched his empire and when Paul stepped in it. Why do I even bring it up? Because when Paul enters in, he's being reminded of the same thing. He sees the city of Philippi. Philippi was named after who? Philippi was named after Alexander the Great's father, Philip, Thessalonica was named after who? Thessalonica was named after Alexander the Great's sister. So, so as Paul is walking in this area, he's well aware, he's being reminded that this was Alexander's kingdom. And look what God has allowed me to do. William Barclay in his commentary says, it is hard to see how Alexander the Great could have failed to be in Paul's thoughts. The whole territory was saturated with memories of Alexander. It must have filled Paul with a vision of the kingdom of Christ, right? That what, 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 what he was involved in. What was Alexander's great dream? Alexander was committed to the creation of a world united by Greek language and culture. It's fascinating because the Old Testament eventually was what? Translated into Greek, Septuagint. Our New Testament was written in what language? Greek. Why? Because Alexander succeeded in many ways. Not not completely, right? But he built this empire and he was focused on uniting Greek language and culture. As a matter of fact, Alexander often used a phrase that might sound familiar to your ears if you read some of the things that the Apostle Paul says. Alexander dreamed of an empire where there was neither Greek Greek nor non-greek where everybody was considered part of the same empire and paul almost uses the same words later when he says that the body of christ the kingdom of god where there is neither jew nor greek you know where there where we are one in the body of christ alexander launched out from macedonia he headed which way? Well, where am I? Which way am I facing? Anyhow, he headed west. He headed west and he, and he, and he tra- went through. No, Alexander headed east. Excuse me. He headed east and he went across through Asia. And then he came down through Syria, through the land of Israel. He conquered Egypt. He kept going east. He went toward India. I think the furthest east is modern day Tajikistan or whatever of his empire. Think about Paul. Paul's aware of all that, and he's almost backtracked. Now, Paul doesn't come from India or anything, but Paul was what? Paul's come from Jerusalem and up the opposite direction that that, that Alexander went, up to Antioch, up through Syria, west across Asia, and now Paul has reached Europe with the gospel. One writer says, Paul must have thought of a world for Christ's kingdom. Imagine as he's standing where Alexander launched off from, and he knows, wow, the gospel has reached Europe. Alexander's dream was kind of a basis, you know, but really of Paul's what? Desire, and that's the second thing I want you to see. From Alexander's dream to Paul's desire, because now we're on the second missionary journey and Paul has been through Philippi. We're not going to take a stop there, where, you know, where the jailer gets saved and all. But we'll go to chapter 17, and uh, Acts 17 and verse 1. Now, when they had traveled through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where there was a synagogue of the Jews. And according to Paul's custom, he went to them, and for three Sabbaths reasoned with them from the Scriptures explaining and giving evidence that the christ had to suffer and rise again from the dead and saying this jesus whom i am proclaiming to you is the christ to the jews he's saying he's your messiah to the god-fearing gentiles and other he's letting them know this is the one this is the god who has come to bring salvation through the blessings that were promised through abraham's seed to to all the world right Verse 4, and some of them were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, along with a great multitude of the God-fearing Greeks and a number of the leading women. It's fantastic. One writer says, It is impossible to overstress the importance of the arrival of Christianity to Thessalonica. The main street in Thessalonica was the Via Ignatia, and it connected Rome to the east, right? Rome, that's west, Rome to the east. I gotta remember where I'm standing here, right? Because on our right behind me is our main street, right? And if you go back, you know, through the years, you know, this road was the turnpike from what? It connected Morristown to Camden, right? And and today five thirty seven out here it remains you'll, here. I know Maple Shade's not the center of South Jersey, but it is for me, right? So you know for for, for where we are, right? If if you're going if you go west on, on our main street and you pass the custard stand and you go over the creek, you may not know it or not, and you're now in between two towns, Cherry Hill on the left and 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 Pensalkin on the right, and you keep going and you'll go through uh, Merchant and if you wrap around it, you know, in, into, into Camden, right? If you head east this way, it becomes Camden Avenue as you go into Morristown and get into Main Street in Morristown and eventually it'll take you to, to, to a great adventure, right? It connects, it connects right? It's that, that road. If something, you know, back when the day, you know, something happened and it could go either direction. That's what Thessalonica is, and so if the gospel gets received there and it grows, it's going gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna to go every direction. And so Satan wants to stop that quickly. And so what do we read in Acts chapter 17 and verse 5? Uh, but the Jews becoming jealous, and this is not, by the way, if you're new to Scripture, there's nothing anti-Semitic about that. It's not saying those lousy Jews. It's making a historical reference to the Jewish leaders, Remember, Jesus was Jewish. His his earliest apostles and followers were Jewish. So when we read words like that, there's nothing anti-Semitic in this. It is stating the Jewish leaders who rejected him as Messiah were now trying to do what? to persecute, they were jealous, they took along some wicked men from the marketplace, they formed a mob, a mob, set the city in an uproar, and coming upon the house of Jason, they were seeking to bring them out to the people, and when they did not find them, they began dragging Jason and some brethren before the city authorities, shouting, these men who have upset the world have come here also, think about those words, right? what, what, what they meant to Paul even, wow, Alexander the Great upset the world. He did it with a military and conquered and conquered and conquered. And they're saying, us coming into his kingdom, we've upset the world just with the gospel, just with the message of Jesus Christ. Tearing down pride, tearing down walls, just changing lives one by one. Wow, the persecution comes, right? And as the persecution comes upon them, uh, Satan attacks fiercely. And it results in what? Verse 10. And the brethren immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. When they had arrived, they went into the synagogue of the Jews. Paul and Silas uh, get sent off and Timothy. And off they go and, uh, to be protected and to continue to continue to share the gospel. He's been there for, some people believe he's only been there for three weeks because it says he preached for three, you know, uh, sabbaths. He may have been there for more than that. But the point is, Paul was there for a short period of time. And having been there for a short period of time, imagine now as he leaves. He's seen some Jews get saved. It's mostly a gathering of Gentiles and prominent women in the city who have come to Christ Chuck Swindoll says, a storm of persecution had swept Paul, Silas, and Timothy from the city of Thessalonica. In the wake of the storm, the budding church, right? You see some of your bushes? My daffodils look like they're getting ready. I don't know if yours, right? But but, but the, the budding church in that city was left bruised, weary, and underdeveloped. And maybe you've had moments where you could experience what Paul was experiencing at that moment. Maybe you've had someone in your family who had a significant critical surgery and you're meeting with the doctor afterwards and the doctor says what? It's, it's, it's now a waiting game. It's a matter of time till the results are in. 12 hours, the first 24 hours, whatever. We have to wait and see. And you what? It's praying and waiting for the results to come in as you just are wrestling with, with the unknown. Maybe you've had a a, you have a child, who or or someone else in your life, right? They didn't show up when they were supposed to show up, where they were supposed to show up, and they're not answering their cell phone, or or, you know, it died, or or who knows what. And you are just, where are they? They're out there. We don't know where they are. There's nothing we could do to protect them. Uh, We're just we we just have to pray and wait for the results, right? wait for them to come in imagine the apostle paul in his letter to the second corinthians he tells us we don't have to guess what he's experiencing right what do we read in second corinthians chapter 11 and verse 28 he says apart from such external things there is the daily pressure upon me of concern for all the churches In other words what's Paul saying yeah they beat me up several times they left me for dead I was in shipwrecks but if you want to know what really wore me down it was that worrying about the people that I love worrying about their well-being are they going to be okay and waiting for the results to be in well Paul lets us know that in his letter we'll see it again in a few weeks but in his letter to first Thessalonians in chapter 3, what does he say? Therefore, when we could endure it no longer, we thought it best to be left behind, and we sent Timothy, right? We sent Timothy to go let us know. Paul says, I couldn't take it anymore. I didn't know what had happened to you you know the ring cameras on your building weren't working your webpage was down no, no they didn't have technology like we do right you know we can look somewhere in the world and paul's like I, i've gone on i'm sharing the gospel but i don't know what's happening back there to the thessalonians the persecution had come upon them they were being they were suffering as a brand new group of believers and he says i, I couldn't take it i had to know the results and that's the third thing we see, the Thessalonians' demonstration. From Alexander's dream to Paul's desire to the Thessalonians' demonstration. Because Timothy comes back from Thessalonica and he's got news. I got, I got the results. You wanna hear? You wanna hear? I, I've, got, I've got the results. I've got the news of what's happening there. You could just see Paul go, tell us, come on. Well, let us let us know, right? He probably didn't have to because it was probably apparent on Timothy's face. But it is the results come in, and that's when Paul writes the letter to the Thessalonians, when the results come in. And so you have to understand his joy when he's writing. You you have to taste that anxiety of the unknown to understand the joy that he writes in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 2. We give thanks to God always for all of you, making mention of you in our prayers, constantly bearing in mind your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the presence of our God and Father, knowing brethren, beloved by God, his choice of you. We'll see some more of this in the, in the weeks to come. But think about what this tremendous demonstration we're reading about. Well Paul gets this news and he just starts writing, "I just want to praise God for the demonstration of your faith to the unbelievers, right? Because Paul had been wondering if they had been beaten down, if they were discouraged, if they had dispersed and were not even gathering anymore. And instead, he gets to say what? Verse 8, the word of the Lord has sounded forth from you. from the wrath to come. It's the Jesus Revolution, and it's happening there in Thessalonica before it ever happened in California, right? This exciting, just lives that are being changed by the gospel. And Paul says, I have got to tell you, I am rejoicing when I hear about your confident faith and your boldness to speak. This past Tuesday, for our Story time our uh, i've been we've been getting bigger more 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 kids coming we're well, great having you hey it's not too late to join us you have a two to five year old uh, whoever you are their parent their guardian come on out Tuesday, Tuesday right at ten o'clock for our story time and uh, so we arrived uh, I, I brought uh, my granddaughter Molly and um, and we, when we arrived, all, all those PSC and you guys, I'm looking out the window, they're gone. All those trucks were out there on Tuesday morning. They were going to do what they weren't able to do until yesterday, putting that new pole up. But what, the, I, when I went, I went over to them, hey, you guys, what's happening here? And they say, yeah, we're, we're putting some new pole here. I think you guys need some more power, some more service to your church or whatever. And uh, that's what we're doing, but we, we, we can't because it's drizzling. I was like... It's barely, it's barely drizzling. Now we, we are we're not allowed to work in the rain. And that's not that they're soft to the PSC and G guys. It's li- literally, liability-wise, you can't be working with electricity in the rain. But they had six trucks out there, a giant pole, and they were there in the gr- group of them in the parking lot over here. So I walked up to them with Molly. I said, hey you guys, I'm the pastor of the church, I'm Pastor Vince appreciate what you're doing we're thankful for your vocation and and hey uh you know we're grateful for electricity and just just want to let you guys know that the door is unlocked you know we're in here with the kids ministry but we know you won't be coming in our area if you need to use the bathroom come on in the door is unlocked and they were like hey thanks appreciate that and i I went to turn away but molly wasn't done yet molly molly looks at them and goes so uh if any of you guys need to go potty just come on in and, and, and they just they just they, did, they just cracked up you, you know what i mean and she was like okay let's go pop pop you know we're you we're, know you know and and i'm looking at her and i am i'm looking at her, i'm going lord she has such confidence to talk to anybody 10 years from now when she's 13. lord give her the boldness to be able to say to her friends any of you need jesus i'll be glad to tell you about him right I pray it for her, for grace, and for all of our grandkids. Oh, God, for our youth group, for your kids. God, give them that boldness to be able to declare their faith. And it wasn't just in their words, but in their actions. He says, for they report, what, verse 9, how you turn to God from idols. Your life changed. Thrilling, thrilling for me to watch some of you come to Christ and just see a you, 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 the, the change a change in 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 all that's happening in your heart and in your lives right thrilling what what a what a blessing not only that they were their whole purpose they no longer were living like hey we're living to for our retirement or we're living for our vacation house they were doing what verse 10 to wait for his son that, that we realize now this world is not our home right? It's a demonstration to the lost, but I think it was also a demonstration to Paul himself. I I can almost hear God saying to Paul, you see, Paul? You see what I was saying to you when you were agonizing there? Ah." Remember, Paul, when you weren't with them, I still was. I still was. Listen, we have to remember the apostle Paul was a human being, and he could be tempted like we can be tempted to think what? The work depends on us, whatever that is, right? Uh, we focus on the, the life of Paul, and I have for the last seven weeks, and we focus on the letters to Paul, but we need to remember, at no time has the Trinity become a quartet. It hasn't happened, and never will. It's the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and none of our names get put in there, including Paul's. And Paul had to learn a lesson, and I think God taught it to him. And he writes at the very end of his letter to the Thessalonians, uh, chapter five and verse 24, faithful is he who calls you, and he will also bring it to pass. I almost see Paul saying, boy, God taught me that. I was sitting there saying, I gotta know. Did our work last? Did it stick? Is it, and with right motive, but that reminder of Lord, It wasn't me, it was you. And when I left, you were still there. When I wasn't talking anymore, your words still had power. Lord, remind me, listen, God is holding you. He has your children. Young parents are tempted to worry in one way about their children. Older parents are still tempted in other ways at times as they wrestle and struggle with where are their children in 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 certain areas of of spirituality and life remember this god has your children he can do more than you can do he has our church This is not the church of Vince McDonald or the church of Herb Mitchell who served for 30 more years before me or or the church of whoever our founding fathers were. This is his, he has our church. The results are in. 2,000 years later, the gospel of Jesus Christ has reached the shores, right? Been brought here, right? And here we are, far away from the kingdom of Alexander, right? John Calvin wrote 500 years ago. John Calvin was a reformer. He wrote 500 years ago. God used him in a great way. But he was commenting on one of the Psalms. And as he was commenting on the Psalm, it was a Psalm that reminded us that our human words only go so far, our human lives. And he was looking at that, and he said this, Perhaps under this expression, God silences the princes who set no bounds to their hopes and seek to scale their ambitions like the insane Alexander of Macedonia, Alexander the Great, who upon hearing that there were other worlds wept that he had not yet conquered one. Alexander set out to conquer and he didn't even conquer his own world, and here we are across the sea from his empire, and the gospel of Jesus Christ is here with us, and we're going to be sharing in communion, but before we do, we're going to pray and then sing uh, a bit. Father in heaven, thank you. Thank you, oh God. Thank you that you rescued us, you reached us. Thank you, Lord, that we have a song to sing that's not built on us. A song of rejoicing that it wasn't a a human empire that was conquered, but it was yours, a heavenly one. And thank you, Lord God, that we can sing today that Jesus paid it all. And that that is our basis for celebrating communion this morning we do so now in the name of jesus amen